welcome to the BCMA podcast. I'm your host today, Leah Patterson. I'm joined by Paul Crawford. Paul, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. My name is Paul Crawford. I'm the director curator of the Penticton Art Gallery and I've been here since uh, 2006 and I'm uh, honored to be here today. Thank you. For this special series, we're highlighting the individuals nominated for the BC Museum Association Distinguished Service Award. And this award recognizes an individual who has made a unique and outstanding contribution on a regional, provincial, or national basis to the arts, culture, and heritage fields over an extended period of time. So Paul, firstly, congratulations on your nomination. How exciting. It is amazing and it's incredible to to see the the list of other people whose work I've admired for a long time. Um, Also nominated this year and just amazed to, to see myself in their company. So I'm humbled and honored to be here. So thank you. So going back to the start, what got you started in the heritage and culture sector? After graduating high school, I went to UVic and after two years of a lot of fun, but not so much academic excellence, I left for a year, went to Camosun College to try and pursue accounting. My father was an accountant and he had sort of told me that I should really think about a real career and a real job. And so I tried my hand at that and I, I absolutely hated it. And I, I fell back into a, a passion that I had and that was stamp collecting. And I found this stamp auction in Victoria that happened every Tuesday and it happened to coincide with one of my accounting classes. And so I decided uh, to take up that class instead of going to my accounting class. I'd go to the auction every week and uh, build my collection of stamps only to find out that I'd run out of money by January of that year. The thing I loved about stamp collecting was that it connected me to a larger world dialogue. And each stamp was in itself a miniature piece of art. And I really loved all that those things spoke about. In February of, of 1990, I had to sell everything to try and get myself out of the hole I found myself in. On March the 1st, I had sold off the last of my things and I was sitting at the Salvation Army in Victoria, just thinking, you know, where am I going to go next? You know, I'm hating this accounting business. And I found a signed a photograph by Joseph Karsh. And I remembered him from high school. I bought the photograph and I, I wrote to Karsh. And a month later, he sent me back not only a personal letter, but also a signed self-portrait. And that really sparked a passion in me for collecting and for art history and thinking, man, if I could reach out and, and connect with someone of his stature, what an amazing thing this was. And so I started collecting art and, and I talked my way back into UVic and graduated in 1994 with a degree in art history. And while I was in my final year at UVic, I was given the opportunity to do two exhibitions of works for my collection at the University of Victoria, McPherson Gallery. And also I was working at Safeway at the time and one of the women who came by every weekend owned uh, what was then called the Douglas Hotel uh, in Victoria, right next to City Hall there. It's now I think the Rialto or something. She had a gallery that was in the lobby there. She knew I was interested in art and she said, hey, do you want to take over the gallery until we can decide what we want to do with this space? And not knowing what that really entailed, I said yes. And I was given this gift for two years to run a commercial gallery in Victoria. I mean, that's 30 years in the sector. 30, 30 years in the, in the sector, one way or the other, and yeah. Yeah, over 500 exhibitions curated. When you think back over your career, is there a moment for you that feels like the most rewarding part of your career or moment of your career? I, I love those opportunities to bring people together and see what amazing things can come out as a result. 
-hmm. And I've been really blessed because I'm not just in the visual arts or the art gallery world. I sat on the board of Island Mount Arts for a number of years up in Wells for 16 years. I, I helped um, found and worked with the Arts Wells Festival for many years and bringing music into the gallery and enlivening the space through opportunities like that. I, it was brought more people in who were maybe uncomfortable coming to an art gallery, but would come to a, a concert. And then, and I've just been blessed in my life with meeting a lot of amazing people. And I've cast a net that covers a large part of the province. And it's amazing to bring people together that didn't know each other before and of multiple disciplines and see what incredible things can come out of that. Um, the other thing that I find so rewarding is just watching people have their lives and their worlds and their worldviews changed through their connection or interaction with the arts. And I've had these incredible opportunities. I've worked at a lot of institutions that aren't particularly well off in terms of a lot of <laughs> cash, but it's incredible what you can do when you have to think creatively. And it's incredible the legs that those things can have. And in 2014, we did a show of contemporary art from Afghanistan, which again, sadly is so relevant again right now, but mm -hmm. to be able to bring over the works of 20 artists from Afghanistan and thinking all these crazy things about how impossible it would be to get that art out of the country. And then just realize you just have to go down to the FedEx office and, you know, two weeks later it shows up and, <laughs> and picked in. It's like, wow. But pairing that up with a Canadian war artist who'd served over there and having these two opposing worldviews sort of looking at each other and, and just sort of having whatever you thought you knew about Afghanistan changed through an exhibition that was through the eyes of the people who were actually living there. And it's been amazing to see those relationships continue beyond that exhibition that we did in 2016. Because for me, it's not about just the art, it's about connecting the art to the person. And I wanted people to realize that these are human human beings, individuals behind these works of art. And so that transformative power of art to tell people's stories and humanize these situations that just seem so abstract when you look at them on the news every night is incredible. So what does it mean to you, Paul, to be nominated for the Distinguished Service Award? Well, first and foremost, it's totally humbling because you, you, certainly I don't think anybody gets into this thinking you're going to get any, you know, the reward isn't people nominating, be nominated for anything or a trophy or anything. Over the years, going to the BCMA conferences, it's been wonderful to see people nominated. And I guess if I look back and distinguished just all the awards, like there's a lot of people who've received this nomination and, and the award that whose work I greatly admire and have been influenced by and grateful to know. And, and so to think that in some way, what I've contributed to this field puts me in line with them is incredibly humbling. And yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a loss for words, it's, but it's, it's incredibly humbling in that regard. I, I guess I got here through not, the completely non-traditional means. And I suppose if there's one thing that it does, I hope it would empower other people to realize that there's room for them here in this industry as well. And passion and a commitment to your craft and the work that you do can't be taught in school. It's just taught through the doing. And for the 
connecting with things and people and, and everything else. If my being nominated for this award might provide confidence or an impetus for somebody else to think that they can also get there and do it. I suppose what I'm trying to say is if it allows someone else the opportunity to believe that they can do it too, and it maybe provide other people who may be looking to hire somebody, take a chance on somebody who maybe doesn't have all the letters after their name, but has the passion and the commitment and the connection to their community and a larger dialogue than all I've done in my life has been a success. And when you think about connecting to the community for you, what does it mean to serve within the cultural sector or within the community? I certainly believe art and culture are the barometer by which the health of a society will ultimately be judged. And you need people to have a passion to save and preserve that history and to uh, provide opportunities for other people in the future to navigate their way through what was going on. And I, I, I think it's incredibly important. And I find it disheartening and sad that, you know, the arts tend to get overlooked a lot. In that regard, I think it's our jobs here are super important to try and be a champion of the importance of all of that stuff. And and art and culture build community. Like, I find it fascinating to think about, you know, look at the last 60 years, all that funding that came in the 60s and the 70s and just the power of art to change an entire generation, you know. I just think it's super important to be able to provide space and opportunities for voices to challenge the status quo and to look at our world through a lens. And I don't necessarily have to like every exhibition that I put on. I just have to be able to defend it and provide those opportunities. And sometimes you get the most rewarding of opportunities to change your worldview from going into something that maybe you didn't quite understand. And our communities are far stronger for having art and culture and museums as the backbones of our civic structure. Like, it's incredible to see ourselves become more isolated and more separated from each other and our communities becoming more divisive. And that's where art and culture can really help to bring people together, share opposing ideas, expand your cultural worldview, and allow you to get to know other people and give you license to stretch yourself in ways that you wouldn't feel comfortable to do otherwise. That's going to turn the ship around and help us and save us all. I truly do believe that that is the key to our understanding and connectivity to each other and our compassion and our just everything that makes us human, which is amazing. And we, we need to put greater value on our artists and our, on our infrastructure and our role within that and the power that it has to, yeah, to make change. You know, you're talking about change over time. And I wonder, based on your career and all the things that you've seen, what do you think that the future holds for the sector? Oh, you know, <laughs> it's so, uh, so tenuous. I guess that's a real sad part of it all is that it is so tenuous. But I also know you can do amazing things with very few resources. And you just have to look elsewhere in the world. And I do... I have great faith in humanity and civilization. <laughs> and, you know, and through all the dark periods in our history, 
art and culture is the one thing that has survived and it'll flourish in the darkest of places. That's the beauty of it all. Like a CD by an artist today or a painting by somebody has a potential to outlive anybody who's alive today. And not only does it have the potential to outlive any of us today, but it has the potential to change someone's life, give them wonder, joy, uh, solace. It, it has that incredible capacity that, and in that regard, I think we're in good shape that, you know, it, we, something will survive. Uh, <laughs> I guess for the short term, I do feel that, you know, if I look at the last 20 years, it's incredible to think of the difference that's happened. And a kid that grew up in the seventies and the eighties in Vancouver and the, the vitality that the community had in terms of cultural amenities and just to see the erosion of those amenities. The problem is that today is how do you excite the people under 40 to get out and support culture and art in a meaningful way. And um, that to me is a nut we need to crack because if we don't have engagement from the 20, 30, 40 somethings, on the level that we did a generation ago, then what's the point of what we're all doing? Because if there isn't gonna be the uptake and people to volunteer and be patrons and that whole idea of the culture of patronage is, is a diminishing thing as well. Um, there's a lot of challenges lying ahead. And, you know, and I suppose, you know, in part of our programming here, we've started a thing called the Young Collectors Club and we do an event every year which I stole from my friend Joseph Sanchez and it's $25 and we take all this art that's been donated to the gallery or um, some by local artists, things that are just didn't fit any other of our fundraising activities. And we put them all on the wall and we, we sealed off the gallery and put a three foot high door. So only kids could go through <laughs> and they get the golden ticket from their parents pay 25 bucks and the kids can go into this room and they are free to choose whatever they want off the wall. And they got to just choose something that they like. And, you know, and then we took their photo with them and give them a little certificate. And I wish as a kid, I'd been given that opportunity to, to live with art. Like I didn't grow up in a house that had any appreciation of art at all, but to see these kids, to be able to take ownership of something and choose that painting. And the sad thing is when they go out and sometimes rarely, but on occasion, the parent would be like, why'd you choose that? It's like, well, the kid loves it, you know? The kid and loves it. The yeah. kid loves it. Who cares if it doesn't <laughs> suit? It's not for you. It's for them, right? Yeah. If taking part in something like that could spark something in that kid that will flourish and blo blossom into something amazing later on in life or will be the start of a childhood collection, that to me would be the greatest reward that I would get out of this. And if in some way it could help ensure that our industry not only survives, but thrives in the future, then all the work that we've all collectively done will be worth it. But we do need to engage our, the youth. Like just, yeah, we need to engage people <laughs> under 40 in a meaningful way and forget them. And so, but if you do have that opportunity to have something stick in your brain and, and you know, and you, like if you can walk out of a place and something gnaws away at you for days, weeks, months, or years into the future, then that's an incredible gift that, that, that an artist has given you. And 
we need, we need to we need to just get more engagement and we also need to build a culture of philanthropy too yeah well i would love to be three feet high and get the gold ticket to come and pick <laughs> our wall that sounds amazing to me i would treasure that forever as a kid yeah that sounds amazing paul i just want to wrap it up by thanking you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with me it's been a pleasure congratulations again on your nomination and good luck Thank you. It's been an honor to talk to you and it's been wonderful to, to share my, my own views. I can't say they reflect of everybody else, but certainly my, my own views. And, <laughs> and, I, and like I said, I, I really am humbled and honored to, to be in such distinguished company. And thank you to all the work that BACMA does as well. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank For you. listeners, you can find additional interviews with distinguished service nominees, highlights of all the nominations for the Awards of Merit, and your opportunity to cast your vote for the People's Choice Award at www.museum.bc.ca slash awards. Thanks for listening.